these two um, themes in meditation practice, samatha vipassana, and these are approaches. One can develop a number of techniques in order to affect these processes. The samatha is soothing, steadying, calming, uh, making things even. Uh, and it's any response that arises from the interest in how does the mind get made more steady, settled. How do things get move in that direction? And then vipassana is a response to the question or the inquiry, how do things get understood? Their causes, their conditions, what, what, what things are made of, what constitutes experience. It's an analytical process. It requires a particular kind of activity of discernment into experience. So these two are said to operate together. The simile is of two oxen yoked together pulling a cart. So although one may um, have people who teach Samatha or teach Vipassana, really the Buddha's encouragement and instruction is to have them together, the two together. Simply because unless there is some degree of calming and settling, there is not really a proper ability to discern because things are so muddled and tangled and congested. Uh, You can't really review uh, experience in its constituent factors because they're all welded together and reacting and, you know, generating more. Unless there is a degree of of insight, wisdom, it's difficult for things to settle because we're not able to put aside what's not necessary. It's a sense of discernment or discrimination to say, well, this is that, and then not that. Put that aside because this one's not useful. This quality of initial wisdom, which is careful attention, you only saw Manisikara, to recognize what's worth giving attention to and what's not worth giving attention to at this particular time. That's the beginning of the wisdom process that you know, ripens into insight where we're really recognizing the selfless and transient nature of conditioned factors. So this quality of careful attention, wise reflection, translated in a number of different ways. And you can uh, pick up teachings that help you to, to cultivate wisdom, to look out for the signs. This is a sign of goodwill, science of the heart feeling rich, overflowing in a warm, healthy way. Sign of ill will, the mind feeling desperate, starved, uh, defensive, uh, uh, barren, mm, oppressed, sign of ill will. And give attention to qualities that support the sign of goodwill. Don't give attention to the qualities and the conditions 
and the histories and the stories that give rise to the quality of ill will. You know, it's care for attention. There's doubt and uncertainty rather than going into the doubt and trying to figure it out. Give attention to where there is confidence. By not attending to where there's confidence, clarity, faith, that sense of this I know, this is sure, this is true. Uh, by not giving attention to that, beings are drawn into the experience of doubt, uncertainty, skepticism, uh, conceptual proliferation. So, these, so it's just to recognize these signs, because when these skillful signs are acknowledged, there's a certain steadying effect and resonance, and ah, that's so. And it's, it's clear. You know, it's clear that, you know, there is suffering. That's, ah, rather than, what am I supposed to do? How, what, you know, why am I like this? Why am I like that? What am I supposed to do about this? Why did I, why did I get to be this way? That, that is, that's not careful attention. That's inappropriate attention. There is dukkha. <coughs> And more and more one begins to recognize that whenever the I am sense comes in, you recognize that sign, that quality, then things start to go astray. A certain density builds up, a certain intensity builds up, a certain mesmerizing potency builds up. Uh, the mind is no longer lucid, free, clear, and light, becomes heavy, driven. Pressed, uh, burdened. What is this sign? The sign of self. Sign of selfhood, but it's, gen- it's generally called upadana, clinging. Mm. You can more or less translate the word upadana to be I am, the I am sense. So this is the this is, you know, what it can, what it gives rise to, what it supports sense of I am this but the the medium of that is is a mechanism called upadana the sticky the stuck the sticky gives rise to I am stuck in this either you know obsessive overwhelmed and so forth so acknowledge that when these qualities occur so in the acknowledgement of that's that, there is the possibility of a release from that. There's no point in acknowledging the clinging and saying, oh, I'm such a clingy kind of person. I've got so much clinging. I really cling a lot. Because you're actually adding to the mixture. So you identify the clinging, you double cling. And then you're... So there is clinging. Well, what else do you expect? You know, it's bound to be that that sign. You recognise a sign, and then where's the sign that could go? You know, counteract that, or where's the opposite sign? Where's the sign of non-clinging? Where's that? How do you, how does that get cultivated? The sign of release, the sign of non-sticking. It really is uh, because. Sometimes this, this sign can manifest as the recognition of impermanence, 
things just uh, of conditionality. Well, that gave rise to that, that gave rise to that. This was an account of that. This came together because of that. There it was, you know. Relative, relative codependence. Conditioned codependence. Mm-hmm. And the, so there's a sense of just lucidity around, uh, around clinging, around the, the dukkha of it. Just lucidity. Mm. It's like this. This is a careful attention. Mm. And in that lucidity we might acknowledge, you know, the power of sati is not present. Power, the quality of goodwill is not present. The quality of integrity is not present. Mm. So just this, this preliminary lucidity is the act of sensing, being really sensitive to the I am experience and wait a minute, stop, pause, what's happening? Uh, it might, might begin to think there is tension in the body. There is a certain intensity of volition becomes intensified. The volitional element of the mind, the jitta becomes heated, driven, either stuck or, or racing forward mm. you know, or floundering. There's a certain quality of volition that occurs in that. And these are the, these are the basis. So the, the kaya quality is becomes afflicted, intensed, uh, imbalanced, and the chitta quality also becomes its intentionality, its volitional quality becomes intense, uh, uh, occluded, uh, not steady, not clear. Mm. Yeah, there's that. Mm. And then, in this, we say, where is the sign that gives rise to the alleviation of that? And uh, this is where we might, you know, calming in the body, walking, breathing, it's the presence of body, open space, just, just, just stopping everything, putting everything on hold and just let, letting things open up, relaxing volition when it becomes too locked. Just open stillness, listening to silence, looking at space, uh, chilling, you know, pausing, this pause moment, which can be quite a long moment, mm. and it's just not engaging in volition at that time. Volition is so, gets so intensified, just check, pause, stop. can be a um, number of things. It can be chanting, images, reflections on sign of goodwill, wherever that appears. It can be the simplicity of the body, sitting here, there's just this body. And it can, of course, be mindfulness of breathing. If that's been developed to the point where it's become something that has this non-volitional quality to it. We don't, we receive it, we enter into it rather than, you know, make it a personal 
uh, goal. <laughs> I think that was the idea because breathing is something that happens without anybody having to do it. It just happens. But of course, once we have this intensification of the I am manifests, then almost anything that is given attention to comes along with the same kind of message. And the, without any deciding to, a whole lot of intensification occurs just because one's normal field of attention has become so permeated with this I am quality. This is unwise attention, unskillful attention, unhelpful attention. Mm. Skillful attention, careful attention is something which is much more cool. What is the meaning of this? How is this? How does this feel? Able to balance and determine what's appropriate now, what's suitable now. Using this in one's meditation cultivations, we begin to recognize, you know, is sitting suitable now, is walking, is standing, is reclining, is chanting, is is thinking, is reading, is studying, is space, what's this what's suitable now? What is a suitable basis where my mind becomes lighter, clearer, pliable, malleable, my body feels relieved, unpressurized, or it goes in that direction and recognizing when it's not doing that, this might be the time to change. You know, some reason it's locked now into this. Uh, we try and try and then, okay, now is the time just to, to change. And this is how one stewards the meditative process, suitable themes. It's unusual for a person just, just to be able to practice with one theme alone without getting some I am going about it, on about it, where they are and where they're not, what they should be, and so on. <laughs> this careful attention. You know, it seemed to hinge, you know, like in the Sabhasava Sutta where it's mentioned, it seems to hinge around this experience of I am, and the I am with careful attention being replaced with there is this, there is dukkha, for example. Mm. If it's an unskillful state, there is dukkha. And that's not just a verbal trick, it's a stepping back into the nature of the condition, uh, the real true nature of the condition. And the I am is not a valid statement about a nature of a condition. Mm. It's a particular, obviously it's language that we use, but it really, when you ever, that, that term is really felt intensely, you know, with, with degrees of blame, uh, criticism, conceit, and so forth. There's a strong emotional bonding in there. You can realize this is upadana. Clinging. Check it out. When that's present, what is not present? Then we that being present, the, the qualities of uh, happiness are not present. Lightness, uh, release, 
is not present, or is of goodwill, real, actual, spontaneous opening of the heart is not present. So these dhammas arise not from the field of the person, personality, but from the dhammas arise from the field of dhamma. <laughs> and this is what we place our faith in, and uh, someone who is uh, very assured on that, and the stream enters someone who has their faith and their, their attention is placed in that field. Naturally, these uh, this field may be things we the mind drifts in and out of, but there is a recognition of that. And this is, of course, transformative because prior to this, the understanding is when everything that happens <laughs> here is me. <laughs> everything that happens in this mind is me and mine. Every, every intention, every thought, every mood, every feeling is mine, me and mine. Every good idea is mine, every bad idea is mine, every memory is mine, everything that happens to me is mine. It just does that, you know? Uh, and this, of course, is, gets, makes life gets very, very dense and confused and there's massive suffering. This Dhamma field is, is these Dhammas always arising, but the quality of uh, this Upadana distorts everything. And so one feature I often recognize uh, to my consternation when listen to other people, uh, but I don't necessarily <laughs> recognize it in myself, <laughs> is the absence of acknowledgement of, of virtue. If there is true, uh, you know, proper f- a balance, one is able to acknowledge virtue, acknowledgement of integrity, of conscience and concern. And when this is not acknowledged as, a, as it actually arises, upadana transforms it into guilt and worry. Such a beautiful quality of sensitivity, conscience and concern for the welfare of others, for one's own purity, and to live in a way which is one feels suitable and comfortable and harmonious. Yeah. You know, when the upadana sticks to it, it easily transforms into worry and over, like, have I done enough? Have I helped enough? Have I been good enough? Are my standards really as pure as they should be? Yeah. Am I really worthy of anything? <laughs> yeah. And and in that mode, the upadana mode, because of the absence of clearly seeing the qualities of integrity, of recognizing them, instead there's this kind of worried, agitated, occluded state takes over. The answer, of course, is no. There isn't a sense of brightness and fulfillment and dignity. So, uh, because one hasn't acknowledged it. The acknowledgement has not been there. Not seeing it as, as it is, not seeing this quality as it arises, the sense of conscience and concern, integrity and compassion, sensitivity, you know, as it arises, 
and it rises in reference to oneself and with reference to other people, reference to the world around you. And that arises, that sense of, you know, conscience and concern. And, and we, we come into this and we often are aware of, you know, the flaws and the blemishes that ar- arise in the conditioned realm. And that we don't acknowledge the quality of conscience and concern. It becomes the upadana sticks and it becomes worry not good enough not having done enough uh, not having been enough impotence uh, unworthy and this stick conscience and concern this quality can arise over as we as our Minds bring up memories of, we get pictures or images of occasions that we might have felt that wasn't so good. Surely that was wrong, that was incorrect, that was improper behavior. I failed, or I didn't get that right, or I should have said this, or I didn't do that enough, or I did that. And then rather that, so the true acknowledgement would, oh, that was unworthy of me. And we sort of put that you know, able to discern that as this is where there was no inadequate mindfulness or something of that nature. It sounds very wordy, but actually it's just the recognition of the, you know, things slipped. And then the quality, the upadana comes in and the clinging goes on to the thing that one assumes is wrong and this intense guilt comes up. Rather than how beautiful that one is clear enough to discern over events that happened 10 years ago. <laughs> one has still got enough clarity and integrity to discern this was not correct. Yeah. How amazing that one should have that amount of, uh, of responsibility over events that happened years ago. What deep sense of conscience and concern, integrity there is. Instead, there's the, there's the sense of, oh, you've messed that up. That was wrong, that was stupid. Guilt. And then the Upadana sticks over that, the I am sticks over that, and bars the entry of more fruitful Dharma factors such as compassion, kindness, uh, equanimity, appreciation, things that would help to address that, that, that disappointment. And as it's uh, said in the suttas, even in cases of quite extreme, um, you know, f- um, deviation from moral standards of breaking the five precepts, stealing, lying, uh, cheating, killing. So even with these, a noble disciple recognizes that was unworthy, that was blameworthy, uh, this should not be done again, and then practices the Brahma Vihara, the measureless states. Of course, it's put in such a brief um, phrase, but uh, this this is acknowledgement. That's that. That's that flurry. That, and and then what arises as that clarity comes in. 
to discriminate, to discern the unwholesome, because we've taken that, not clinging to it, but recognizing it, placing it, naming it, acknowledging it, then there's the quality, there's a lucidity. And with that lucidity, this lucidity is a sign of the non-attachment, non-clinging. It's open, open lucidity with that. The appropriate response to the sign of stress uh, on a per- interpersonal level, you know, where one has felt one has been inadequate for another person or directly injurious to another person. On that personal level, then what arises as a response is the qualities of kindness to others, to oneself, to, to compassion for the, this rather confusing and heedless context in which we live, in which all kinds of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. So then that, that, that's the clearing because of the acknowledgement of the factor of conscience and concern and discriminating that from guilt and worry. It's extremely um, revealing how much this this experience occurs. Uh, parents with their children feeling, oh, I've got why I should try and make him this, that, this, that. I haven't been enough. I need to do something to sort him out. I need to, well, you know, try a bit harder to make him better, make him happier, more comfortable. And you're thinking, what? I mean, he's forty years old. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, why is that? You know, it's a sense of the deep, you know, uh, conscience and concern and moral and virtue and compassion. But instead of recognizing that, that quality, yeah, in its openness, a sense of clinging to an object, you know, one becomes an ideal what one should be, could be, we cling to the subject, we cling to oneself, clinging occurs in terms of the other person, yeah, these are images that appear in our mind, and they, the clinging generates this kind of world of self and other, and we miss the field effect of, you know, human beings care for each other, they, you know, actually, the truth of the matter is, human beings, in their clarity, are naturally loving and sensitive and uh, compassionate and caring. And there's a sense of this hiriotapa, conscience of concern, mutual respect. That's, that's part of the human field. That's part of the inheritance of being a human being. Uh, that, that's, that's an impersonal quality that people have that arises for them. Hmm? But when the clinging occurs, then it comes into, you should be right, you should be good, otherwise you're not good. So it gets, even, even virtue gets personalized, and then punishment occurs, then you've been bad, and punishment occurs, 
and you should be better. So stressing and striving gets built in. And this I am messes everything up. We come into the human field, the field of uh, human sensitivity. We say there is this, this sense of empathy, conscious concern, morality, kindness, and so forth. And that's there. And we have to really keep directing ourselves to that quality to be our guide in relationship. Not to the I am. I am, we we will never be good enough in that that sense. Because the I am is not good enough. (laughs) That's That's not a personal failing, it's just that particular mechanism is a restriction of the mind. So it's never adequate to the quality of conscience and concern, morality and virtue. It's, it's, in, it's an inadequate system. It's already a constriction and you can feel it and it builds up further constrictions. Uh, sticking drags other things to it. When sticking occurs, clinging occurs, I am this, I am that, and then we think of other things we didn't do right, didn't get right should have been, never was, probably aren't. And then, then we stick to the stickiness. I'm so, I'm such a gloomy, guilty kind of person. Stick to that. And then I can never get rid of my gloom and guiltiness. Stick to the, that as well. <laughs> so it just piles up. And it just attracts more and more levels of sticking. How am I supposed to be someone who's not got self-view? <laughs> I, you know, I'm so feeling guilty because you've got self-view. Well, wait a minute. That's that's two or three layers of sticking. <laughs> Could you just actually acknowledge what's there? Sense of heaviness and intensity, and a, you know, uh, a lack of goodwill. That's the pre- quality of goodwill is not present. The quality of ease, lightness is not present. We're not actually in the right place. Therefore one should direct one's attention to a supportive sign, such as this is the occasion when I received gratitude from another person. This is the occasion when I received kindness from another person. This is an occasion when I did. Sometimes when you're in this I am sense you can never think of a single thing you did right. <laughs> so you might say this is the occasion when I was supported or helped. Oh, that's that quality. You know, that's the occasion where I was forgiven and and welcomed. Oh, that's that occasion. And it depends on the weight of stickiness, doesn't it? Because it can be in that, so stuck that you can only ever remember your human relationships. You You can translate them all into, you know, I wasn't welcomed, I wasn't appreciated. You were, but you just—you were so stuck, you didn't even notice it. So embedded in yourself, defensiveness and fear, you didn't notice people saying, <laughs> you know, making the gestures, but one didn't see it. Because the whole human domain has become so impregnated with uh, fear of judgment, um, fear of being judged, judging others, the whole thing has become so saturated with clinging that 
the very as soon as one encounters human beings, the whole system starts going. Self-consciousness, how am I, how well is she, do they like me, she didn't think very much of me, how good am I at that, who's better, what should I be, what do they want me to be. And nobody's actually said anything, it's just the whole stuff starts firing on the very perception of human being. This is why most people, if you can't get a dog, get a goldfish, you know. And <laughs> 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 got room for a dog in your house. <laughs> Something you can just go feed who comes swimming towards you <laughs> with open eyes and trusting <laughs> trusting fins <laughs> it's a simple <laughs> simple relationship <laughs> just to get a sense of you know there can be the giving and the sharing and the and the, uh, that, cause the, the very sign of the human being can be so uh, steeped in in this uh self-measuring and self-judgment and self-comparisons. And there's no way out of this on the self-level, really. On the personal level, I don't see a way out of it. Because even if you try and work it out and say, well, she's just being nice to me, really. I know she basically, I am a nuisance, but she's just being polite. People are so polite and respectful. They don't really know the truth about me. As far as I can see, there's no way out on that level. Uh, you have to kind of recognize what's here, even if what's here is this is dukkha, uh, this is the I am sense, this is the comparative sense. How does it feel in the body? Can you feel it? Can you feel your body? Can you breathe out? Can you feel your feet? Uh, can you, for the moment, just put aside all the urgent things that your mind is bringing up all these terrific dilemmas that you need to sort out in terms of your relationship with so and so and what you should have done you need to figure it out can you put that aside can you put aside all the ideas of what you could be and should be and should have been and what she really meant and what you didn't do could you just put that aside as just this is agitated flustering energy and here's this body No, 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 not just a second. Stay with it until you feel the wave of agitation. Don't give attention to that which is not fit for attention. Give attention to that which is fit for attention. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of bluntly logical, isn't it? But we do realize we're not creatures of logic. We're creatures of volition driven, compounded by volition and intentionality. And as soon as the I am hits, the volitional thing starts going haywire. You know, I am, I can't, I should, I never will, they want me to, I never, I shouldn't, they don't, they this, they that, they just all do, 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 do. And then, so you're really recognizing that that volitional trigger is just jammed. You've got to recognize that sign just as a characteristic and come out of the story, the narrative, what helps you with that without, you know, suppressing or denying, say, well, the body feels like this now, you know, deep tension in the belly, constriction in the chest, throat's choking, 
So a lot of trembling agitation. Feet, legs, walking, back. Stay with it till the sign of this is steadying, this is calm, this is clear, this is open, this is sensitive. You're coming back to Dhamma. And then those waves of agitation pass through. The volitional quality comes, dies down. This is the stilling of Sankara. This is the stilling, to still, to calm. Then one can rightly see. There's no, you haven't got this hurricane of volitional triggers, perceptual flashes coming up. And then one can rightly see. Oh. This was what's present, this is what was absent. Now, now, what's present, what's absent? What's absent? Now, the sense of acknowledgement. There is dukkha in the relational field. And there is this yearning in the heart for harmony, goodwill, openness, truthfulness, how beautiful is that? Can these two meet? Can these two meet, these qualities? This is the, the beautiful, kindly, the compassionate, and this is the dukkha. Can these two qualities meet? And if it's in the meditation, the sati is carefully held, yes, they can meet. And then one, through that uh, supportive dhamma quality, the clarity and the steadiness of holding it present, one rightly sees with one's own intelligence, with one's own citta, one rightly sees. This was the heedlessness, or this was the craving, or this was the blurring, or this was the, it was that. That was that. That was a factor. That was a moment. Rises now, seen now, you feel it now. In the feeling, the seeing, the felt, feeling the pajanati, the release was that this is not self, not mine, allowed to pass through, allowed to pass, allowed to pass, cessation, ceasing, dispassionate meeting with no agenda other than to meet, no conquering, just to meet, no cutting out, just to meet. No, no, no figuring out, just meet, meet at this place where Dhamma factors are rising, are ready to do the meeting. <laughs>
and we meet the dukkha with that sense of openness and with clarity then it's seen this was the condition it arose so dispassion there's no self involved in that dispassion dispassion allows it to move through, pass felt as it passes released as it passes cessation that's the end of that it's said it's say it's finished ceases the field unifies into the qualities that allowed it to cease qualities that allowed it to cease where there was wisdom there was mindfulness there was proper integrity there was a rightful inclination and energy to hold it present Mm. And these are then what was left with. So then every element of dukkha, rightly held, is a, is a potential for the strengthening of the Dhamma factors. Every element of dukkha, every agitation, every fear, every doubt, every guilt, every twinge of fury, regret, irritation, is food for the heart if it's held its energy is released into the energy body of the citta which becomes stronger more replete and it's re- released and the understanding that arises realizes the qualities that caused it to cease not personal uh, not mine i am truly blessed the quality of wisdom is now arisen, strengthened, more confident. It knows how to meet. It knows that meeting dukkha is the important thing to do, not blaming, accusing, reifying me, her, him, them, that. But this has to be understood, met, understood. So the craving that generates beings, the bhavatanha, that generates a sense of a me, however miserable that is, however wretched it is, that sticks things together, that hunger to be a me, which assembles the most dismal experiences <laughs> into, into an, a lump called me. How logical, this is crazy. But we're not logical. Tanha's not logical. Clingy's not logical. And seeing this, yeah. Uh, releasing that. Mm. And so with the releasing of clinging, craving, becoming, and then just what factors remain when that ceasing has occurred. So if we consider something like ceasing, not in some ultimate state, ultimate condition, you know, like, because it's kind of presented as an abstract, like there, you know, cessation, Look at it specifically. This is where the worry arose. This is where it magnified. This is where it intensified. This is where it became, you know, a stuck piece that hovered and attacked me constantly and nibbled up my energy and, and sucked my energy out. There was that factor. This is what held it steady. This is what it said no more. 
This is what turned right attention to it and said, there's that. Name it. Underneath the narrative, name it. And then give attention to its opposite. That was wisdom that did that. Yeah. And so the fruition of wisdom faculties, then when the dukkha ceases, that's what remains. It's not like it's a complete wipeout. And you're doing this with very specific, humble qualities, humble experiences, you know, on, on this personal level. You know, manifest on the personal level. So it's, it's not necessarily, it doesn't seem what it's doing classical Buddhist practice, because there I am rehashing this incident with my cousin 15 years ago. This isn't Dhamma practice, I'm distracting myself. Well, if it keeps happening, it's not a distraction. It means this needs to be acknowledged. What's the meaning of this? What's the meaning of this? Yeah. Irritation. She said this. She said that. That hurt. Irritation. Well, that quality has you careful attention. You go to the felt sense, the quality of the experience. This is irritation. How is irritation? How is that correctly dealt with? Well, we look at where there is the non-irritation, a sense of equanimity, under compassion, understanding. Where's that? And bring the two together. So the, that which is, you know, um, supported by skillful factors meets the distressed and is able to penetrate it. So recognizing the so cessation is is very much, you know, like, like particular pieces at a time. A specific piece at the time, cessation of dukkha. Though it, it, it is the big, big end of the end of the road model, but it's actually also moment by moment, day by day. It's 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 tackling these granules of it as it arises. These, nit, these gritty little pieces of doubt, uh, apprehensiveness, um, uh, feeling one isn't doing well enough. And some of them are, 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 you know, can be relatively subdued, just this nagging sense of inadequacy and having not really done good enough. Become so familiar to one's personal domain that we don't check them anymore. They become really pretty established, pretty comfortable in there. Yeah. They just take up a seat in the corner of our room and they keep looking at everything we do. And we, we, we assume that's normal, that's me. I am, you know, inadequate, um, flawed, prove it, there's this and that, and this and that, and it proves it. <laughs> yeah. So it becomes, these qualities then become so ingrained that they normalize into I am. This is part of my landscape. And that's how it kind of encroaches into the territory of heart, into the territory of heart, and then it dampens everything and restricts, blocks access to the fruitions of the heart. These signs, however familiar, however much one has accepted them as part of one's personality, you know, I'm just not a very capable person, let's face it. 
however much that's been accepted, allowed to rest there. I did make a mistake with my partner, you know, I really messed up with it. However much has been accepted and stable and one has kind of shrugged it off, it still acts as a constriction on the flow of Dhamma. It should be, when it becomes persistent, nagging, the jitter returns to it many times, then it means this is your business and it's not in the past. And it's not the narrative so much, it's what the narrative is arising from. And that's the process of careful attention. Where does the narrative arise from? That feeling of hollowness, of vacuity, or uh, not really there, you know? Feeling of emptiness, worthlessness, barrenness. Not, don't know, just not, not good enough, not something. This is ignorance. This is the quality of ignorance. This is hollow, barren, empty, out of touch, not feeling anything condition. Just focus on that sense. And then here's a body. The sense of acknowledgement is so powerful. We say that's that. And we place it, name it, acknowledge it, and then in the act of acknowledgement, the jitta sort of wakes up, starts vibrating. Yeah. And then you be, the important thing then is not to go into a trying to get rid of it, but to allow the jitta to, to gather its energy, virya, gather its faith, its confidence, gather its energy, gather the factors together to open into the field of Dharma so that this ignorance can be dispelled. It is the path that eliminates ignorance, not the person. Those path factors have to then be catalyzed, generated, made much of, and indeed rejoiced in uh, to spend some time rejoicing in the Dharma that has arisen for you is definitely considered to be a necessary factor for deep penetration of suffering and stress. Anyone?